Support for Milledgeville Matters comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Milledgeville Matters at WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we're focusing on reimagining the built environment as places that promote healthy living, public engagement, and a sense of community. Today in the studio, I'm joined by Gil Penalosa. Mr. Gil Penalosa is the founder and chair of the 880 Cities Organization. He recently delivered the keynote address at the Georgia Bike Summit, which took place in Milledgeville November 6th through 8th. Mr. Penalosa, thank you for joining me on Milledgeville Matters. Thank you. Mr. Penalosa, the 880 Cities Organization seeks to inspire cities and communities to reach their potential as people places, or in other words, helping citizens envision their built environment as a place that meets the needs of residents age 8 through 80. To start off with, can you tell me about the ideal city that you yourself would like to live in? Well, first, let me clarify that it's not the citizens 8 through 80. We want the citizens from zero to over 100. The 8 and 80, not 8 to 80. 8 and 80 is that what if everything that we did in Millersville, everything, the crosswalk, the street, the park, the sidewalk, the community center, everything had to be great for an 8-year-old and for an 80-year-old as an indicator species. If it's good for an 8 and it's good for an 80, it's going to be good for everybody from 0 to over 100. We need to stop building the cities as if everybody was 30-year-old and athletic. So my ideal city in so many ways is related to that, is how to have cities where anybody, regardless of the age or the social or economic or ethnic background or any disability, how can they have a happy and enjoying life so that would be my ideal city. And can you talk about the ways that we should go about thinking of our cities in ways of implementing ideas that would make it inhabitable for all of our residents? Well, first, I'd like to clarify that these issues are not technical or financial. They are more political. That's why everybody has to get involved. And the listeners have to participate and get involved because most of these things are doable. They are not really rocket science. If we get a group of children in a classroom and ask them to design the community that where they would like to live, I am sure that they're going to design it with lots of green spaces and parks and sidewalks and safe crosswalks and people walking and people cycling and, and taking public transit. Uh, for example, we need to have really good public transit in Milledgeville. And so people might say, oh, but who's going to use it? Well, in Millersville, more than one out of three people do not drive. Do not drive. To begin with, everybody under 16, they don't drive. Also, many older adults also stop driving. And the reality is that we should allow any citizen to be able to live a nice and comfortable life without having to own a car. If they want to own two or three or five cars, that's fine. But if they don't want to own any car, they should be able to move. For example, we... In Millersville, we're going to double the older adult population in the next 25 years. So we need to have a city that is great for everybody, including the people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And, and unfortunately, the cities are not as nice as they could and should be. And that is one of the 
aspects that are concerning. I was an attendee to the keynote address at the Georgia Bike Summit, and one of the things that you talked about that really opened my eyes or made me think uh, was the idea of dignifying people uh, through the ways that we build our cities and change our cities for the future. Can you talk about that idea of lending dignity back to the residents through the ways that we actually uh, tweak the built environment? Well, it's because sometimes we think that if people walk or bike or use public transit or if they go to the public parks or public schools that all of a sudden they are less than people who don't. I'm amazed at how all of a sudden some people work for 50, 51 weeks of the year and they go for one week on vacation somewhere else. They go to Paris or they go... First, I don't see anybody coming back from Paris talking about how wonderful their highways are. People go to Paris and then they walk and then they have a cappuccino and then they walk more and then they have a glass of wine. But then they come home in the States and they all of a sudden they think that if people walk, they are not uh, as good socially and economically and ethnically than the other citizens. So the reality, I find also sometimes that people say, oh, you know, those cyclists, they behave so horrible, they just go all over the place. And then we haven't built any cycling infrastructure. I think we need to remember that when we treat people like beasts, they behave like beasts. If we treat people like gentlemen, they're going to behave like gentlemen. We cannot allow to have, for example, build roads and have money to do the roads for the cars and then say that we didn't have any sidewalks on that road because we didn't have budget. If we didn't have budget for sidewalks, we should not have built the road because the pedestrians should come first. So those are the kind of things that we need to dignify. For example, we cannot expect people to get out of their cars and use public transit if the stop for public transit does, does not have any shelter for the sun, for the rain, for the wind. So that's, that's part of dignifying. Sometimes we do also uh, bus stops that don't even have sidewalks. So it, it seems like people would have to arrive on a helicopter into that bus stop. So that's part of generating dignity, that people will not feel that they are less of a citizen because they walk or they bike or they use public transit. I'm going to take an opportunity to have a short break right now. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Milledgeville Matters on WRGC 88.3 FM. My guests today are Gil Penalosa. He is of the 880s City Organization. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Milledgeville Matters.
Thank you for staying tuned to Milledgeville Matters on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you're just joining us, we're talking about our communities and how we would like them to be ideally, how we would like to see them for ourselves and our children, and not just ideally, um, but in reality. Our guests today are Mr. Gil Penalosa. He is the founder and chair of the 880 City Organization. In that last segment, we were talking about Mr. Penalosa's experience, his ideal cities, and some of the ideas that his organization advocates for. And in this segment, I thought I'd ask you about your experience. I understand that a lot of the changes that you advocate for, you were able to actually see them implemented in the city of Bogota, Colombia. So I was wondering if you could walk us through your experience introducing people who may not be thinking about these things already, getting them to go from curiosity to advocacy, and then seeing the effects that they've had on that community? Well, first, I want the listeners to understand that Bogota is very, very different from Millersville. For example, it's uh, much bigger. It's about 8 million people. And also, it's much poorer. But one of the things that I learned in Bogota is where I was a commissioner and I was doing is that these things is not an issue of money. It's not a technical issue. Sometimes I find that cities, they say, oh, we don't have money. But I go anywhere and they are widening the roads or they are doing another bridge. So it's, it's more of an issue of priorities. For example, when I was commissioner, we built in the first term over 200 parks. And some people were saying, oh, why build parks, especially in the low-income areas when the poor people have so many needs? Actually, when the poor people really feel miserable, it's in the leisure time. When the poor person is working, cleaning the floors of a bank or the president of the bank, they have similar issues. Maybe even the president of the bank has more anxiety. But when the leisure time comes around, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, the president of the bank has many options. Restaurants, theaters, movies, travel, multiple options. The minimum wage worker doesn't have those options. So if we improve the way low-income people use their free Mm -hmm. time, we're really improving the quality of life. And that is absolutely critical. So in Bogota, we did hundreds of parks and we improved quality of life through that. We also built the Ciclovia, which is what in North America we call open streets. I found a small program with just a few miles and a few thousands people. And in less than three years, we turned it into more than 70 miles, where more than 1.3 million people come out to walk, bike, skate every Sunday of the year. We also implemented protected bikeways, an initial grid of almost 200 miles of protected bikeways in three years. Uh, So there were a lot of things. But also many other cities, I, I... I really like your introduction when you said that you, you as listeners th- that the talk is about the kind of infrastructure, the kind of city that we want. But more than the kind of city, I think we should think on how do we want to live? How do we want to live? Once we have a, a shared vision of how do we want to live in Millersville, a lot of the other decisions are going to be a lot simpler. Do we want people to, for example, walk to school? So then are we going to have small schools or large schools? We're amalgamating schools because the catchment, because we save the salary of one custodian, but then the catchment area is going to be bigger with bigger schools. And then they are going to, not going to be walk to school, but drive to schools and drive to friends and so on. So, so these are some of the elements. How do we want to live? And when you talk about making these changes of people's minds and of their hearts about it, their communities, there are a lot of benefits that you have found and you advocate for on increased health, 
And the one that I think is most important to me is increased civic engagement amongst people from different areas. Can you talk about the uh, positive effects that you've seen of changing people's perception about city design and the places we live? The reality is that how we design our streets, our neighborhoods, our parks, our communities, our city, the benefits can be fantastic from the point of view on cities of any size, including Millersville with 20,000 people. I think the benefits are around, I have to use the acronym of EARTH because it's about the environment, it's activity, economic activity, it's about recreation, transportation, and public health. For example, from public health, we're going through a huge crisis of obesity. Things are getting much worse. In 1990, just 25 years ago, less than 10% of the people in, in Georgia were obese. Today is more than 30%, so three times as many, more than 30%. And the issue is not if people look nice or not. The issue is that the obese people have more problems of heart attacks and respiratory problems and depression and anxiety and cancer and so on. And there will be no health system that it will work if it's only curative. We need to create a health system that is proactive, that is about prevention and not about how to cure people. So I think that when I see the cities, when they're cities made for people, for all people, young and old and rich and poor, then a lot of these other benefits kick in and improve everything from economic development to health of the individual and the community to sustainable happiness for all. Earlier, you mentioned about the ciclovia. And I think that is a, a means of bringing those into an event that can pull many people together, some out of curiosity, uh, some out of the desire to, uh, as Dr. Jim Lidstone would say, to do what your mother told you not to do, to play in the streets again. Yeah. Can you introduce that concept to our audience members? Maybe it's a little bit deeper than you did earlier. Yeah, it's very interesting because open streets, basically it's open the streets to people and closing to cars. Some of the streets for a few hours a week, a year, we need to understand that this is so fantastic. It works in communities of 5,000 people or 20,000 or 1 million or 10 million or whatever. First, you don't need to build arenas or gymnasiums or community centers. You just use the streets. So you don't need capital investment. You just need operational costs, goodwill, and lots of volunteer with a lot of spirit and a lot of desire to do things. And then people see all of a sudden, people walking and cycling and skating and running and all of this. And they say, oh, it's so much fun. It's great recreation, but it's way more than just recreation. This is about, for example, improving transportation. People all of a sudden realize how short the distances are. And they say, oh, if there were safe bikeways, I would bike from my home to my, the place of work. Uh, it's also about environment. We do measurements and we realize that the level of the noise uh, when there is an, an open street and we do the same time on a Monday and the level of noise is very low, the quality of the air is much cleaner. So it's also about the environment. It's also about economic development because people want to be in that city. It's a fun city and also it's good for retail. But also something that sometimes people don't see is that it's like an exercise in social integration. All of a sudden you get everybody there and you get everybody there as equals. There are very few places in a city where we can meet all citizens are equal. The other day, the head of a company said, oh no, Gil, where I'm at work, I get along very well with my administrative assistants and the guy that comes to clean the floors, he's really nice. I said, yeah, no, but he knows that he's cleaning the floors and he knows that you are the owner. But on Sundays, 
when all of a sudden you and your spouse and your children go on the open streets and the guy that cleans the floors goes with the spouse and the children to the open streets, everybody's the same. You're meeting each other, doing the same activities in the same place as equals, and that develops a strong sense of belonging to the city. That develops a sense of solidarity. And I think that is also something very important that we must have in the cities, so cities where we are more inclusive uh, and segregate less, uh, and then the benefits are endless. Right. And so we're about out of time in this segment, but I know that earlier we talked about these concepts that you were telling us about, these concepts that you were traveling the world trying to get people um, excited about. It, they matter not whether you were in a, a large city like Bogota or a, a smaller city like Milledgeville, maybe even a village um, of much smaller than Milledgeville. As people are hearing this, and they so often want to say, well, we can't do that here. We can't do that there. That's what's been done over there is, is different. That's a whole different thing. Could you give our audience members a call to action to leave out of here with about their ability to champion these ideas if, if that is what they want? All of this is totally doable in Millersville and better. So, but I'm saying don't do in Millersville what we did in Bogota or what people are doing in Macon or what people are doing in Copenhagen. Do whatever is good for Millersville. So learn from everybody's experiences, both what to do as well as what to avoid because some people have had failures and then decide what to do. But create a Millersville that is fantastic for everybody, young and old, rich and poor, for everyone. God was so generous with Millersville. You have fantastic lakes and the river and, and the trees and the hills and all of this. So all of the, you already have a wonderful natural environment. You also have the privilege of have a magnificent college, Georgia College in the heart of the city, where one out of five people that live in Millersville are students or related directly to the college. So that in itself opens many possibilities. So now is to get everybody on board, get the elected officials, but also get the people that work in the public sector, in public health, in, in, in planning, in transport, but get the citizens. The citizens can no longer be spectators. The citizens, whether they're activists or is the media uh, or is the business community, they gotta get together. And the three of them, like a three-legged stool, they have to develop a shared vision of the Millersville that you want and go out and work hard at making it done. But all of this is doable and the benefits are gonna be good for them, for their children and their great-grandchildren. Mm -hmm. uh, one more thing, the first steps that people should take. The first step is move from talking to doing. This is totally doable and don't be afraid. I think people should start, I recommend sometimes impatience and orchids. What are the impatience? Are things that we can do now, this year? Low cost, low risk and high visibility. And then, because sometimes people start with a project that is most difficult, that it has the most stakeholders, that is more risky, and then that fails and everything fails. So I think, but do it now, don't do it in 40 years. So divide the projects in zero to five years. The ones that you can do this year from zero to one in the next 12 months are the low risk and low cost, but with high visibility. And then there are hundreds of those painting crosswalks, uh, do, doing programs, because this is not only about infrastructure. Part of it is infrastructure, but part of it is programs. Work on both, on the hardware and the software. Successful parks is not only about the design and the construction, but it's also about the uses and the activities. So go to the parks, do a, teach a class on Tai Chi, uh, do some painting, uh, organize the community on a walkabout. Uh, there are many hundreds of things, but don't hold back. Don't think that you won't make a difference. No, you do make a difference 
and the collective people trying to make a difference are going to transform the city into a great one. Please don't be conformist. I know that Millersville is good. And that is, keep in mind that that is your biggest barrier because sometimes it's more difficult to go from good to great than from bad to great. So none, please don't, no, none of that myth of excellence that we already good. No, of course you are good, but you are far from great. So work on how to move forward from being good to being great. Mm -hmm. Well, Mr. Penalosa, thank you for joining us today. Thank you.